Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. All right, so this week was the the third and final week of the CrossFit Open. And for those of you who are not involved in CrossFit, sorry, we're going to bore you one more week with a little bit of (laughs) CrossFit Open discussion here, but it's over after this. So how did the third and I guess workout three and four, how did the last workout go for you this week? It was all right. Uh, I mean, there there were parts that went better than expected and parts that went uh, a little worse than expected. So the workout for anybody that is not involved in the CrossFit community, it was like 15 squats with 95 pounds. And then you do 30 toes to bars, which is like you're hanging on a bar, lift your toes up to touch the bar, 30 of those, and then 15 thrusters, which is like you basically go down into a front squat and then you push up and then your hands go above your head, uh, put the bar over your head, 95 pounds. So you do 15 of those and then you basically do three rounds of that, but that middle, um, gymnastics type move exercise in the middle changes every time so it's 30 toes to bars 30 chest to bars and then the last one is 30 muscle ups which is where you basically go into a pull up but you pull yourself up over the bar so you're like arms like what you see the gymnastics people do like when they're getting up on a on a bar and in the olympics like when you push your body above it it's extremely technical and very few people can actually do that movement yeah it's it's a difficult movement um so I got basically five muscle ups into that final round. Okay. Nice. Um, I was, I would have liked to have gotten like 10 or 15, but I was pretty gassed by that time. And I, my form started to break down on the muscle ups and I, mm. I just couldn't get up you anymore. Push it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the thrusters went better than I thought. 95 pounds. Like again, I'm not like that strong. I just haven't been working with weights uh, a lot lately. Or I'd, I'd kind of just reintroduced weights the past month. So I thought those were going to kill me. And I mean, it wore me out, but they went actually a lot better than expected. I really focused on my breathing, breathing at the top, mm-hmm. making sure I'm not holding my breath. And that seemed to really help. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see where I, I stack up. Uh, I mean, I'm not doing this, you know, competitively, but my gym did a little competition. So we'll see how I, I line up. Uh, what about you? Nice. Did you do it yet? I'm actually going to do it. I haven't done it yet. I'm actually going to do it right okay. after this podcast. So I'm okay. Um, Good luck trying to stay loosened up, and I'm drinking some Element to get my electrolytes in before I um, start in the workout. I actually I'm trying to be more intentional about drinking electrolytes a little bit, like before a workout. If you anybody is subscribed to our our monthly email, we put an article in there that talks about electrolytes. And there's actually something super interesting, like an interesting study that just came out where. They took a group of people and basically had them work out for 60 minutes to a point where they lost 2% of their body weight through sweat. So losing a lot of electrolytes, mainly sodium through their sweat. And then they had like one group drink plain water and then another group drink electrolytes like after losing that sweat. And then they put an electrical stimulation on their calf. So basically they were trying to mimic a muscle cramp by sending electrical signals through their calf after this workout, after one group drank water, another group drank electrolytes. And for people who took the electrolytes, it required a much higher electrical stimulation versus the people who took water. It took a, a, a very low frequency to ca- cause that cramping. In other Sorry. words, drinking water actually can cause you to cramp more because it's technically diluting your electrolyte concentration right. in your body. 
So it can be actually harmful to drink water at, at, at sometimes, obviously you need to stay hydrated, but if you're somebody prone to muscle cramping, then drinking water immediately after is not necessarily better. Sometimes it's worse. And that's where electrolytes, an electrolyte imbalance comes into play. And you want to make sure that you adequately, uh, have an adequate ratio of electrolytes. So I thought that was super interesting and it made me thankful that I have element here to drink, but if you guys want to try some, we, um, have a, a link it's drink element. That's lmnt.com slash lab rats. You can pick some up there. There's actually free shipping going on at the moment. I think through April 13th, you can get, um, or as much as you want and it's free shipping. So that's drink lmnt.com slash slash lab rats to get your, uh, element with some free shipping. So check that out. Yeah, it's good stuff. I've been using that uh, before and after my workouts, and it's a game changer. All right, but today we're not talking about electrolytes. We're talking about uh, something that a lot of people are probably going to encounter over the next few months, and that's dining out. Like, can you eat relatively healthy dining out? Things are opening up. Everyone's you know getting getting vaccinated, so people are are going out more. And this episode is not meant to be an explanation for like why fast food or why restaurant food is bad. It's really meant to be a guide on how we can make good choices when we do dine out, whether that's fast food or a sit down restaurant. The ideal situation is obviously to make your meals at home, have a well-balanced meal that fits your nutrition needs, but that's just not possible a hundred percent of the time. Like sometimes you just have to get something quick on the go. Life gets hectic especially if you have kids, you're running errands, you just don't have time to go home and make a healthy home cooked meal. And then, you know, there's also this social aspect of eating out that I think is really important and, and necessary for community. There's something very uh, invigorating about breaking bread with other people that's good for us. Uh, and it's not always going to be at a healthy restaurant. So we want to walk through some things to think about when you do decide to eat at a restaurant. Like how can you eat healthy or healthy-ish when dining out? And, and like how can you do that in a way that's not just simply a bowl of, of soggy romaine lettuce? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think there's like kind of a misconception around eating out healthy because a lot of people think eating out healthy is a salad or a, a lettuce wrap or even just a normal wrap or a flatbread. Like those are kind of the stereotypical healthy meals. And then there's also like at restaurants, almost, almost all sit down restaurants have a like meals under 400 calories section or meals under four, 500 calories, like a low calorie section. And people think, oh, that part of the meal, that part of the menu is healthy. Like that's not necessarily the case. Salads aren't always the healthiest option. Wraps aren't always the healthiest option. So we're going to look at it from kind of a different perspective. It's not, it's not just the stereotypical healthy options that you, you typically think of when you think of ordering healthy. Yeah. So how we're going to break it up is we're going to break it up by food category. There are too many different types of restaurants and we can't cover all of them. So uh, we're going to take it basically by food group. And it's going to sound like first, first off, as we're going through this, it's going to sound like uh, we're saying everything in a restaurant is bad, but we're just talking about some things to, to think about and just first make make everyone aware of how food at restaurants is prepared. Then we'll talk about how to apply this when sitting down at a restaurant. Uh, and then we'll kind of walk through an example. 
we're also going to touch on this is not just just sit down restaurants. This includes fast food restaurants because that is just as as applicable. And we're also going to mention a few of kind of the the actual healthiest fast food restaurants out there because there are some that kind of people think are healthy. Like some people think you know Chick Fil A is a healthier fast food restaurant option. Not necessarily the case, but we're going to talk about like our our top two healthiest fast food options um, for when you do need to eat fast food. So looking at this is sit down restaurants and fast food restaurants. Yeah. And the biggest principle to remember is regardless of, of where we're eating, our goal is to get food that is as close to the original unaltered, unprocessed food as possible. So whether you're vegan, vegetarian, Mediterranean, paleo, keto, or you don't ascribe to any specific way of eating, the goal here is how can we get closer to unprocessed whole foods? How can we do that when we're eating out? So we're going to go through each category here. I'm going to start out with breads and rice. This is popular at really any type of restaurant. Yeah, just to, to give a rundown here, we're going to go through like the categories like you mentioned, Andy. So the first one's going to be breads and rice. Then we're going to go through veggies then meat, fish, and eggs, so animal products. Then we'll go through like salads or sauces and dressings and then like cheeses. So these are kind of the main broad categories that basically will be incorporated incorporated at every single restaurant, whether that's Chinese food or uh, a pub or a bar. Let's start with like breads, wraps, flatbread. This is a very broad category because there are so many different types, but a lot of them are made with the same ingredients. The problem here is with modern wheat. It's made very differently than it was a couple hundred years ago. The industrialization, the mass production of bread has stripped uh, wheat of a lot of its nutrients and minerals. So they're basically empty carbs, refined carbs. And as we've talked about before, refined carbs trigger a, a higher glucose response, meaning after you consume it, your blood sugar shoots up and then it comes crashing down. And this cycle, if, if it continues long enough, can eventually lead to diabetes. Also, there are gluten proteins in modern wheat that were not in ancient wheats uh, that our guts are just more sensitive to, so they're harder to digest. Part of the reason is that part of the reason is that wheats used to be fermented, uh, which pre-digested some of the proteins found in wheat. Now, we don't slowly ferment bread anymore unless you go to a, a baker and you get some truly fermented uh, sourdough. But right now we, most restaurants use quick rise commercial yeast to speed up the process to keep up with the demand for bread, which results in bread that is a lot less nutrient dense and harder to digest. Um, a lot of restaurants like Panera, for instance, actually add more gluten to the bread to make it chewier. And we did a whole episode on gluten a while back. If you want to go listen to that, not everybody is gluten sensitive, but there are a lot of people that are uh, sensitive to, to gluten or have a hard time digest, digesting it that maybe don't know it. So all that is to say is bread isn't what it used to be. Now, eating it occasionally isn't going to kill you, you know, unless you have celiac disease. Um, but eating you know, on the regular probably isn't the best idea for, for uh, the majority of the population. So what does this mean for restaurants? Well, if you're getting bread from a restaurant, it, it's almost definitely refined, processed, mass-produced wheat. Now, some places offer sourdough, but even that, they'll like add things to it like yeast or gluten to speed up the production process. So it's not a true, uh, you know, slowly fermented sourdough. So it kind of ends up being similar to other bread. And then, you know, a lot of 
breads add sugar to them, like Subway. I think, Aaron, you had mentioned uh, an article or, or a, a study recently, or, or Subway was being criticized, right, for their bread, where it was like not considered bread <laughs> anymore. I think it was in, uh, it was maybe in Sweden or Norway. They like they sued um, Panera Bread for, or not Panera, sorry. They sued Subway for claims they made about their bread, like saying you can't actually call it bread because there's so much sugar in it that it's actually closer to, to a cake than bread. So I think they actually won the case too. So I, I don't think they were, Subway is allowed to legally call it bread because of the extremely high sugar content. So yeah, Subway does not have the, the best track record for healthy ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. So bread is, is probably, you know, best to avoid in mass quantities. Uh, if you're, if you're eating out at restaurants now look, local mesh restaurants may have homemade solely fermented bread with no added sugar, but most likely it's going to be highly processed refined grain that either won't digest without causing inflammation or, or it may cause a spike in, in blood sugar. And a note on bread, a wrap or flat bread is not healthier. It's the same ingredients. It's just in a different shape. Like whoever marketed flatbread is healthy is, is an absolute genius. And I commend whoever, whoever was able to do that because <laughs> it's marketed as like healthy. I, I fall into that category. I remember several years ago when, you know, I was working, you know, corporate job and we'd go out and get subway. I'd be like, well, I'll choose flatbread. It's a healthier option. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Uh, it's just right. flat. <laughs> it's, it's literally got, just flat probably bread. like, I don't know, maybe. 20% less calories in it. It's slightly less calorie. Like because it's on less because well, it's less bread. Exactly. It's the same exact thing. It's just less. So yeah. it, it, they can mark it as seeming healthier. Yeah. So that's, that's bread. Again, one time is not going to kill you or, or here and there is not going to kill you unless you have a sensitivity, but, but in general, you know, bread isn't what it used to be. And with rice, I know rice may look and natural, but rice is actually a refined grain as well. And it's generally thought that, you know, brown rice is healthier, but you know, there, there's been some research showing that, um, brown rice actually contains higher levels of, of arsenic, which can lead to a whole host of problems. So while white rice doesn't really have, uh, any nutrients and it's basically stripped of everything, um, it's, it's honestly probably better than than brown rice. Um, but again, you know, if you have a, uh, you know, a sensitivity to grains, maybe not the way to go. Um, but if you have to choose between brown, brown rice and, and white rice, white rice is, is probably safer. Yeah. There's a, a big misconception around that around people thinking brown rice is healthier and yeah, it does have a little bit more nutrients in it, but it can really disrupt a lot of people's gut pretty significantly mm -hmm. with the, um, anti-nutrients that's in it without it being processed down to their white rice. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, anything else with breads and rice before we move on to veggies? Uh, nope. All right. So veggies is another one that can be healthy and it can be very unhealthy. Uh, 99% of the time veggies you order from a restaurant are cooked in type of, in some type of fat and covered in salt. Like that's why veggies are so good at restaurants. Typically they're covered in butter. Sometimes, um, they're cooked in, in some type of fat, like, like bacon fat, which would make them taste very good as well. Sometimes it's just like a vegetable oil or some other type of oil. They obviously also add seasonings to it. Salt, garlic, maybe sometimes sugar. you're at sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they'll add even sugar to it, especially if it's like sweet potatoes, like 
cover it in sugar, which they're already sweet enough, but they still cover it in sugar. Now, if you're at like a, maybe like an Asian restaurant, something that's not uncommon for them to add is MSG. This enhances the flavor of the food. It's not good. You don't want to be consuming MSG, but that's something that they can add to their veggies to make it taste better as well. So, um, the two basically additives in question here, like seasonings for the most part, they're typically okay. MSG you want to avoid, but for the most part, seasonings are fine. But really the two things in question are, are butter and oils. So I'll start with the oils because this is something we've talked about multiple times in the past, but common industrial cooking order oils like sunflower oil, canola oil, vegetable oils, they all have more omega-6 than they do omega-3. And this imbalance of having more 6 than 3 has the potential to create a lot of inflammation in our bodies. A majority of us consume too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3. So we have a very bad imbalance. Like typically, like to be healthy, the, the standard is to have a one-to-one -one ratio. Consume as much omega-3 as omega-6. But with industrial oils, like how common they are, we're getting like sometimes like a 10 to 1 or 20 to 1 ratio with omega-6 to omega-3. So best to avoid the oils if they're cooking oils, like it's not going to be a good one. It will usually be a canola or, or sunflower. So if you know it's cooked in oil, try to avoid that. Now, and butter think, is the second one. So sorry, no, go, go ahead. On. I'll let you finish and then we can talk about this later. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, butter is the second one, and this is probably more common than oil. But and we actually surprisingly haven't covered butter yet in um, in the podcast. But butter really got a bad rap for having high saturated fats, and even to this day, butter is falsely associated with heart disease and poor health. But in recent years, this has essentially been debunked with a diet that is low or absent of refined carbs and maintains adequate omega-6 to omega-3 ratios like we just talked about, there is nothing that links um, like saturated fat to heart disease. So like butter's gotten a bad rap because of that saturated fat. It's it, there's, there's not much evidence to support people who don't eat refined carbs and have an adequate O3 to O6 ratio that saturated fat causes issues. There's just, the evidence isn't there. And we'll likely do an episode on this in the future, but just wanted to throw that out there. Um, one last thing to touch on, uh, butter does have a low smoke point, so it's not necessarily the best for cooking in, um, you're better off cooking in like a ghee or an avocado oil and then using butter as a topping, not as something to actually cook in. Yeah. That's, that's another problem with oils. Now, some oils have a higher so smoke point, like avocado canola actually has a pretty high smoke point, but like butter and I want to say like sunflower and safflower oil also have low smoke points and those can release toxic byproducts when they're oxidized, when they're heated up to a beyond their smoke point. Uh, and then that gets in our food and we consume that. So that's another reason that, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe butter or, uh, some of those vegetable oils aren't great for cooking in at high temperatures. Right. So all I have to say, butter and salt is, is probably the most common pairing you're going to find. And for me, if, if you're using, if they're like just using butter and salt, I'm okay with that. I don't ask them to, to prepare any differently. 
Like though I, I personally use grass-fed butter and like Himalayan salt, which are going to be better quality than what they use. The, the difference isn't that big of a deal to me to where I'm going to ask them to switch it out, especially with how um, infrequent I actually eat out. So that's up to you. I, th I think if it's, if you know it's just butter and salt, then it's likely okay to, to keep that. But if you do know that there's something else in it and you can ask them and they'll let you know, if you know that they cook it in an oil or if they add MSG, then either ask them not to add that in or just don't order the vegetables. So if you're going to order at a fast food place, you're probably going to have a hard time getting any of this, like any, any modifications. Like that's not their business model. They're just cranking out food. They can't cater to every little need. So at a fast food restaurant, you're going to have a hard time getting this prepared how you want it. But at most restaurants, nine times out of like 10, sit, if you like ask sit them, down restaurants, yeah, sit down restaurants, not nine times out of 10, they'll know what's in it. And you can ask them like, can I just, just have veggies without anything on it? And they'll almost always cater to your needs at a sit down restaurant. So that's kind of the rundown there on veggies. It, typically it's okay. But, um, if you know they're cooking in oils or if you know, they add some bad seasonings like sugar and MSG, then ask them not to add those or just abstain completely. Yeah. I, I would say that veggies are by far like the safest thing to order at a restaurant. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause yeah, most I think, of the time it's in its original form. It's just, you might need to right. question how they're cooking it. Right. Yeah. This is probably the easiest of this listing that we have here. Veggies are, are the easiest to eat, eat healthy. Yeah. All right, let's move on to animal products, so like meat, fish, and uh, and eggs. Yeah, this is a tough one because you really don't know the quality of meat that you're getting at a restaurant. First of all, if it's lunch meat, like deli meat or a hot dog or bacon or any kind of meat not in its original form, it, it's likely garbage. It's extremely processed. There's synthetic nitrates, which may lead to cancer. It's kind of still up for debate. Uh, a lot of added artificial ingredients like sugar, preservatives. And then, you know, when meat is heated, when meat like this are heated to high temperatures, it can oxidize the fatty acids, lead to oxidative stress when consumed, which again contributes to chronic illness. So deli meat, processed meats, not great, really best to avoid. But a lot of restaurants do offer, I, I should say like sit down restaurants, fast food restaurants, it depends. But a lot of restaurants do offer some sort of protein in this original form, like a grilled chicken breast or a steak or fish fillet, egg. So these are generally generally going to be less processed. But a few things to consider with this, where is it sourced? I think when you're dealing with meat, you just you need to understand that if the faster that it takes for you to get it, the the worse that probably the quality of the meat is and the worse that those animals were treated, most mm -hmm. likely like from uh, fast food restaurants, the meat is coming from a CAFO lot, which means concentrated animal feeding operation. It's nasty business. Go look it up on YouTube if you, if you want to see some of that stuff. Um, now, some restaurants do partner with farms like Chipotle supposedly sources from small local family farms around the country where, uh, you know, hopefully the animals are, are treated a lot better than a CAFO lot. Local restaurants, like there's some restaurants here that source from local farms like North Carolina farms. So this is what definitely influence how the animal was treated and raised. Um, you know, some other things to think about were the animals given antibiotics, hormones, steroids. For chain restaurants, 
it should disclose this information. Generally, if they disclose that they're not, you know, using antibiotics, hormones, and steroids, um, then, you know, they're not like if, if they don't, what I'm saying is if they don't disclose that, uh, then, you know, they probably are where if they do make that clear that they're not using those mm -hmm. things, then I mean, that that's a good sign. But generally, the faster you get your food, the lower the quality the meat is going to be most likely. But some restaurants like Chipotle seem to be be better about it. But I haven't done like we haven't done like an investigation on, you know, Chipotle sourcing or, or anything like that. But that's what they say, at least. That's something to consider, you know, where was your meat sourced? Uh, what are they adding to it? So sometimes they'll add sugar or flavorings. Uh, so that's something else to be aware of when ordering uh, proteins at a restaurant. Like Chick-fil-A is a perf perfect example of this. Like you said at the beginning, Chick-fil-A is viewed as a healthier, um, but even even their grilled chicken contains some sugar. Now, not much. Like I think I looked up like the chicken minis has two grams of sugar each, uh, and that includes the breading. Uh, but they add corn syrup to it as well tons of flavoring and look, some of those are just spices, but some contain natural flavor flavorings. Again, not always bad, but what are they adding to it? Uh, that's, that's really what, um, what you need to be aware of. Now, websites should disclose this nutrition information. I believe this is still, this regulation is still accurate, but if a chain has over 20 or more locations, the FDA requires them to list nutrition info on the website. So if you're interested in learning more about a chain, all their ingredients should be listed on their website for a local restaurant. I mean, you could ask, um, you could ask what is added to it and they're not going to have to disclose that information. So that's another consideration. And then what are they cooking it, cooking it in? Aaron covered this with veggies, but it's worth asking what their meats are cooked in. Um, you know, if they're using like avocado or coconut, you know, maybe, you know, that, that may be okay. Canola, like I said, has a higher smoke point as well. Um, and those aren't as high in omega six and don't oxidize easily. Um, but you know, if, if you have a preference on oils or, or what it's cooked in, that's something that you can ask about. So when it comes to me, those are some things that to consider, I know it sounds like I I'm just trashed all restaurant foods. Um, but we're going to get into like how you can kind of manage this and, uh, and whatnot. Now I, I do want to touch on fish. So the biggest concern with fish at a restaurant is really mercury content. Uh, mercury is kind of the biggest thing to watch out for. And most of the, most of the fish that they sell at restaurants are not super high in, in mercury. High mercury fish are like swordfish, shark, tuna, mackerel, uh, lower mercury fish, which is really what you'd see at a restaurant, like salmon, shrimp, scallops, oysters, sardines, anchovies, catfish. Now, preferably the fish is wild caught. If it's a wild caught fish, likely less to no antibiotics. Um, but you should be able to ask a restaurant where the fish is sourced from. If it's a, if it's a local restaurant, they'll probably tell you if it's a fast food restaurant, assume that it came from a fish farm and that those fish were given antibiotics. Um, and it's, it's probably not the healthiest source to, of, of getting seafood. And with the wild caught, they typically disclose that right on the menu. Like they'll call it yeah. wild caught salmon. If it, if it's wild caught is not within the name of the fish. You can essentially assume it's just farm raised fish. So they'll, they'll specify if it's wild caught. Yeah. All right. So how do you approach this? Well, I would say number one, look for meat in its original form. I think that's kind of the number one priority, you know, steak, uh, chicken breast, uh, ground beef, you know, fish, shrimp, you know, things where 
Uh, it's not highly processed like deli meat, hot dogs, bacon, things like that. And then if possible, look for no uh, to minimal additives. So if, if at a local restaurant, you can ask them, I mean, tell them you have an allergy and you want to know what's added to the meat and, you know, they should be able to, to tell you. Um, and if it's a chain, you can get it online. And then, you know, finally, what it, what is it, uh, what is it being cooked in? And, uh, they, they should tell you that as well. You know, it's going to be hard to get perfect. Like we'll talk about, I think with this, we're just trying to get better. You know, we're not going to, obviously this is not going to be a, a home cooked ideal situation anytime you go to a restaurant, but these are just some things, uh, to think about to maybe make a, a little better choice. So that's it. Uh, in terms of like meats and proteins, uh, you, you want to move on to like sauces and dressings? Yeah. So th this is where you can get yourself into trouble. Um, this is probably the, the hardest thing to find a healthy source of like a good dressing or a good sauce. And this is where it's easy to basically consume a lot of very bad food in a very short amount of time. Like this is what makes fast food and and restaurant food tastes so good. Like they have incredible sauces and dressings like Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A sauce, their Buffalo sauce, like incredible. So, um, I guess in the situation here with sauces and dressing, either fortunately or unfortunately, you can aim to try to avoid most of them finding a topping that doesn't have either industrial oils high fructose corn syrup, or some other type of sugar in it is extremely hard to find. Now, uh, with we'll start with salad dressings and I'll go into sauces. With, with salad dressings, your best option is to do just olive oil and vinegar. Like most places will have that as an option. It's simply two ingredients, two good ingredients, just olive oil and vinegar. Every other dressing is almost guaranteed to have some other type of oil, like a sunflower seed oil, it's almost guaranteed to have sugar or high fructose corn syrup. Definitely, it's going to have filler ingredients and flavorings added. So um, in general, salad dressings other than olive oil and vinegar are hard to find that are healthy. Now, if you're dining, that, that's mainly for just your average chain restaurant and fast food restaurant. But if you're dining at a higher end restaurant, Sometimes they'll make their own in-house dressings. And in this case, it would likely be better because typically they're going to use olive oil and vinegar as a base and then just add in seasonings. So you could ask them, you're, you're more likely to find a healthier dressing at a high-end restaurant where it's made in-house. But for the most part, I'd say try to avoid it. Now with sauces, if you want to keep it clean, um, again, you're going to have to likely avoid it or just choose the lesser of evils here. Um, even something as simple as like a Heinz ketchup, which you'd assume is tomatoes is actually has high fructose corn syrup in it. Um, and that's just like the most basic topping. It has crap in it when it's like, it, it should be just tomatoes and vinegar, but no, it has high fructose corn syrup in it. And most of these not only have, you know, oils and sugars, but they also have a ton of artificial ingredients, artificial coloring, uh, other additives. And it's also challenging because you're going to have a hard time finding out what the ingredients even are. Like, um, it's, you just don't know what's in it. And if you ask your server, they're not going to know either. So it, it basically assume it, it does have one of these bad ingredients in it. Now, 
On the bright side, there are some sauces that generally are always clean, and these are hot sauces. Typically, hot sauces are just vinegar and some type of pepper. So like Tabasco mm -hmm. or Cholula sauce, those are fine. Like they don't have sugar in there. They don't add any like fillers, any coloring. For the most part, those hot sauces are just just a type of pepper and vinegar yeah. and maybe salt. So that's kind of, I feel comfortable with like basically any hot sauce at a restaurant eating, probably other than Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't know what they add into theirs, but that's, yeah. um, yeah, that's the kind of rundown with sauces. Now, I, I really don't have any like groundbreaking tips here on what to, how to make this better experience for you at a restaurant, but I'd say the main thing would be to order the sauces on the side. That way you can at least choose how much to consume. Because if you don't order on the side, they're just gonna douse it in sauces and then you have to eat it all. Whereas if you order on the side, you can at least like, you know, maybe use half of it or use a quarter of it. And instead of having them choose how much sauce is on it, just, just be discerning. Um, knowing that ketchup isn't just tomatoes and knowing that Italian dressing isn't going to be healthier than ranch dressing, like in the end, those are probably equivalently bad. And if you have the option to see the ingredients, do a quick glance of them and essentially just try to pick the one with the fewest ingredients or the one without any oils or sugar. Yeah. And that's tough because sauces and dressings makes so much taste good, you know, especially mm -hmm. when you get it at a restaurant, like, uh, you know, the Chick-fil-A sauce is amazing, but you, right. you can actually like make homemade, uh, a homemade version, which Katie and I made, which is pretty good, but yeah, not. that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about at restaurants. Oh, and that reminds me, Katie just texted me. Apparently she's listening from the other room. Her dad is a farmer and he sells veggies to Chipotle. So they oh, do, nice. they do okay. source from some farms around the country. That's awesome. Is it to like in his local area? Like he sources to those Chipotle's in that area, essentially. Is that I don't how it works? I'm not sure. Okay. I would assume. I think around the Midwest. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. And then the last thing here, which everyone loves, is cheese. Mm. So you can refer to the previous episode on milk. We talked about dairy intolerance there and how there are a lot of people that are somewhat intolerant to dairy, whether that's a lactose intolerance or a casein intolerance. This may be mitigated by raw cheese or a lactose-free cheese or a plant-based cheese. But unless the cheese is local, it's most likely highly processed with added ingredients. Like if you're getting cheese from a restaurant, there's probably sugar added to it, flavorings, preservatives. It really kind of depends on whether or not you know, you want to proceed with eating cheese kind of depends on a couple of things. Are you sensitive to dairy? We talked about maybe doing a 30 day test to find out removing dairy completely and then adding in different types of dairy to see maybe what you're sensitive to. And then, you know, what is the quality of the cheese that you're consuming at a restaurant? Again, in, in, unless it's a, a local healthy restaurant that sources their cheese from a, a local farm it's it's probably not the greatest quality fast food chains will definitely be low quality um, i would say that if you want to play it safe it's probably best to avoid cheese at a restaurant i know it tastes good uh, but but when you're dealing with restaurant food i think this is a a difficult one to navigate uh safely yeah that's too bad i think breads and cheeses are the 
by far the two best <laughs> I know. tasting foods I know. at a restaurant and the two that are very hard to make a healthy choice at a restaurant. Right. It's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So how, how to apply this in practice? Like what are, what are some examples of, of how we can actually go about this and do this at, at certain restaurants, whether that's fast food or dine-in? Yeah. So conceptually here, I, I know it sounds like we just railed on every possible restaurant food, but our goal is just to give you some things to consider when dining out. Now, unless you're eating at a local health focused restaurant, you're probably going to have to make some compromises, like which is fine in moderation. I think socialization and community is really important for mental health. That's obviously going to impact our physical health. I think sometimes having very restrictive diets can have the opposite effect. They can create stress that impacts your physical health. There is a physical health benefit coming that comes from breaking bread with friends at a restaurant, despite, you know, maybe what you're eating is not, uh, you know, a hundred percent in line with, uh, your, your nutrition beliefs. So I think sometimes loosening restrictions on yourself is good for your mental and community well-being, unless of course, you know, you don't eat a specific way for religious ethical region reasons, or you have an allergy, but I don't think that when we, when we approach a restaurant, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing approach. I think we need to escape that mentality. I feel like you have, it's, it's easier to go one way or the other. Like I'm either going to go to a restaurant with my friends and I'm going to be sitting there, you know, with a plate of lettuce and some water while everyone else is you know, eating what they want, or I'm going to go off the rails and just order everything. It doesn't have, there, there is a middle ground. I think you can dine out with friends, enjoy your food, maybe even a drink without completely trashing your body. And I think this is where uh, the 80, 80, 20 rule comes into play. Uh, follow the guidelines 80% of the time and loosen them 20% of the time. Now, this obviously does not work for people with allergies or chronic conditions where 20% of the time would severely worsen your condition. And like I said, it may not apply to people that are eating a certain way for ethical or religious reasons. But all that is to say, I think it's important not to let perfect be the enemy of good. And I just I just did a little uh, talk on this in, in regards to money. Like just because you can't do something perfectly doesn't mean you shouldn't do it at all. Just because you can't eat perfectly, like a perfect, healthy, home-cooked meal doesn't mean you can never go out with friends. I don't think it also, it, it also doesn't mean that you just can get wrecked every time you dine out. Like there can be a middle ground. So all that is to say is we're not going for perfect here. We're just going for a little bit better. I think there's something also to say about um, frequency of eating out. So some people do eat out like every every night. Some I know some people, <laughs> I know this guy actually, um, this reminds me of a guy I used to work with. He said his entire life, literally his entire life, he never had a home-cooked meal. What? I don't even I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> I, do, I, mean, I, I don't know either. Wow. It, it was crazy. Like he had ne his parents had never cooked a meal. They ate out every single meal. It was Jeez. I, blew my mind. Anyway, there is something to say about frequency. Like for me personally, I like other than I do Chipotle probably once a week. But other than that, like I go to a restaurant and eat maybe once every two weeks. Like it's pretty infrequent for me. So I don't honestly care that much that like that one meal over a two week period is, you know, not the greatest. Right. So I'm, I'm more lenient. Whereas if somebody's eating out consistently, like every night or maybe three nights a week, then you probably want to be a little more restrictive. Like 
Andy and I both used to work in a corporate environment where we had to stay late. So we had to order in dinner for like three months at a time. We were eating food, like eating out at a restaurant for three months, five nights a week. So yeah. in those, in those circumstances, I was very, um, strict on what I, what I chose because that was my meal every night for the rest of the week for three months. So I wasn't going to splurge, but now I only eat out once every two weeks. I'm, I'm pretty lenient when I eat out. So right. frequency definitely matters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, yeah, we don't really eat out much at all. Uh, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll do ch Chipotle now and again. And, and like I've mentioned on here before, there's like this frozen, this grain free frozen pizza, which it would be considered healthy by most people, I guess, uh, at, a at Publix. We'll do that like, you know, once a week or once every other week. But yeah, in terms of dining out, like before 20, before the pandemic, we'd probably go out, I don't know. Yeah. Once a week with friends or once every mm -hmm. other week. And yeah, in those situations, I'm not looking to trash my body, but I'm also not going to be that guy at the restaurant. Um, or, or, you know, even if it's like somebody invites you over, I think that's another thing that kind of factors in here. There's this, just the social aspect that I think you have to consider in terms of like your health. It's not just about, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's not just about what you put in your body, but, <laughs> but it's true. Like the, the benefit that you can get from like sitting down at a restaurant and eating with people, like there's mm -hmm. a lot of the joy and, you know, an energy that comes from that, that can actually improve your health. Like there was, I think it was Chris Kresser. I can't remember if it was him or a, or a patient he had, but he, he, he was uh, super sensitive. He had some underlying condition they were trying to fix with nutrition and, and he had just seemed to have a, a reaction to everything. So he was on a very, very restrictive diet and he was doing it for months, never got any better. He'd go out with friends and, you know, would only drink water or would he would bring his own thing and was basically miserable, like never got better. Mm -hmm. And eventually he just said, you know, I'm just going to loosen the reins a little bit. I can't do this anymore. And then he started being a little more flexible and he got better. Like there was, there was something to like the mental aspect of like not being so restrictive when you're like with friends that actually improved his condition. Cause it was, it was a stressor. It was a major stressor. This super tight guidelines was actually adding to probably activating his sympathetic nervous system, making his condition worse. So hmm. something to consider. All right, so we're going to go close out here by going through a few examples at some restaurants. We're going to look at a few fast food restaurants and then just like a typical uh, uh, bar or pub. Like we're going to look at, I guess I'll just name them. We're going to look at McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, and then a local pub or a local bar. And we're going to walk through basically how you can make a good decision at those three places. And then last thing we'll touch on is just some fast food restaurants that are healthier alternatives and then we'll be closed out here. So All right. number one, McDonald's. What If I go to McDonald's, what do I do to eat healthy? Yeah, th this one is probably one of the most difficult ones. It's really fine. It's really hard to find a good option at McDonald's. Like a lot of the bread is filled with sugar. Meat and cheese is very low quality. Sauces have a bunch of artificial sugar and flavorings. They have apple slices. <laughs> mm. uh, so that's an option. <laughs> but they come if, with caramel? Oh, they, they probably do come with caramel because you could not use the caramel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like if this is your only option, how do you approach it? And I think with this, like I alluded to earlier, I think you just need to pick your battles. So mm -hmm. 
just because you're going into McDonald's doesn't mean you need to get a triple cheeseburger, a fries, a shake, a Coke, and an apple pies. Maybe it doesn't need to be all those things. Maybe you just pick one of those things. So you could say, uh, I'm going to avoid bread, you know, when I'm going to McDonald's. So maybe you go for just some chicken nuggets or or maybe just the patty and cheese, <laughs> you know, that, that's messy. Not a lot of people like to do that, but it's one option if you want to avoid bread. Or uh, if, you know, you're trying to avoid meat, you could just get fries, apple slices, a, a side salad. I thought they had side salad. I couldn't even find on their website, but um, hmm. I thought they had side salads. And I think they do. They have some. I, th- I think they do as well. And I think they have grilled chicken in some locations. Uh, so you could just get mm-hmm. like a, a grilled chicken. Um, again, it's, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but uh, I think there is a way where it doesn't have to be worst case scenario. Every time you visit a McDonald's, you know, you can, you can compromise a little bit and get something in the middle. So, yeah. So if you are going to go there and you are going to get a burger, maybe hold off on the soft drink or the apple pies. Uh, you know, if you're, if you really are just, I don't know, you got to have an apple pie, <laughs> apple pie, maybe, you know, <laughs> hold off on the, the cheese and the bread, uh, maybe get some grilled chicken. I think something also to make it more filling, like if you're going to do like a lot of people, you know, salads aren't that filling, like in reality, they, mm-hmm. they aren't filling. So if you want to do like a grilled chicken salad there, but then get like a burger, like a, a burger from the dollar menu, toss the bread and just cut the burger up and throw that on a salad too. Like that's a good way to get, um, fill in, get filled up at a pretty low cost and while still avoiding the bread that they put on it, the, right. the fried bread or covering grease. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it, you know, McDonald's is a tough one, but, um, now Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves Chick-fil-A. So oh, Chick-fil-A so does have some salad options, but with that one, just, you know, watch out for the dressings like Aaron recommended. If you are going to get a salad, maybe put the dressing on the side and, you know, some of their salads are actually pretty solid. Like they have some like nuts and seeds and fruit and I think you can get grilled chicken on it. So you can actually mm-hmm. come up with a a potentially filling salad there. Um, also, the nice thing about Chick-fil-A is they do have some grilled options so you can avoid the breading, even though the breading is delicious on their chicken. Uh, you can get some grilled nuggets. Now, like I said, those do have some sugar in it and some some flavorings, but, uh, but no breading. So this is what uh, Katie and I actually did recently on a road trip when we were going for driving for Thanksgiving, like we were so busy all day. We just didn't have time to stop anywhere and driving like through the mountains of North Carolina and West Virginia, there's just nothing <laughs> like there's no Chipotle. So no, there's just, there's fast food and gas station food. Mm-hmm. And so we just stopped by Chick-fil-A and we got a bunch of like little grilled chicken nuggets. And yeah. that, you know, that was enough calories to get us by for the end of the night. You can also get fruit cups there. Now, the waffle fries are cooked in some pretty bad oil, so probably best to limit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you can you can take a, a a moderate approach here. It doesn't have to be the, you know, the fried chicken sandwich, whatever it's called, with cheese, fried chicken, breading, sauce. Now that's like tastes good. Um, but if you want to take a little, maybe a cleaner, kind of middle of the road approach, you know, you could do grilled chicken or or a salad. Yeah, they have a really good salad. Like their southwestern salad is incredible now it does come with the dressing and the dressing isn't the greatest but if you set that aside like everything else in the salad is is pretty solid um Mm -hmm. so good salads i dressing not the best but i you know i still eat it if i'm on the road i'll I'll get a southwestern salad and i'll eat the dressing still kind of just you know picking the lesser 
lesser of the evil. Yeah. Lesser of the evils. All right. Now, what about just like a average American bar, American grill, anything like that? What What's a yeah. way you could eat healthier there? Yeah. So this is a little easier. Uh, so I picked Duckworth's Grill and Tap House. This is in North Carolina uh, restaurant. It's just it's your typical American grill. It's actually the last restaurant I went to uh, before the pandemic began. It was like March. I don't know. We went March 4th or 5th of 2020. And it was funny because I went with Katie and another uh, couple and we made a comment. Somebody at the table made a comment joking about coronavirus and the, the waitress like rolled her eyes. It's like little did she know <laughs> what Jeez. was about to happen. But anyway. Wow. Um, so, so this is a typical American girl, probably a common type of menu. You know, they got burgers, wings, sandwiches, pizzas, and flatbreads. Uh, but they also have like entrees of chicken, steak, fish. Uh, and this is actually one of the first restaurants to roll the Impossible Burger um, in North Carolina. So, I mean, they have a wide variety of options. And this is not an uncommon menu in the U.S. I feel like a lot of places have this type of menu. Not a huge chain, but it's not. All, it's also not a local health conscious restaurant. So I'll start with uh, low-hanging fruit, pun intended, salads. You know, I know not everyone likes a salad, um, but like this restaurant has a really good blackened salmon salad. You get you get a lot of protein. It's filling. Uh, I can't remember what else is, is on it. I think they throw some like maybe some cherry tomatoes in there and, and some nuts uh, that make it pretty good. And, you know, dressing is a thing you have to watch out for. They have a summer salad with a bunch of fruits and veggies. Um, that's a no protein option for some plant-based eaters. Um, but a lot of options when it comes to salad you can make your own, but you know, a lot of people may not want to spend that much on a salad at a restaurant. If they're going out, they might want to you know, eat something, uh, different. So like entrees, they have a grilled salmon with broccoli and cauliflower. That is something that I would make at home. This is actually what I got last time I went there. Grilled salmon, bro side of broccoli and cauliflower. Uh, and this is a type of, I can't, I feel like when Katie switched to the walls protocol and we went here, she was trying to, you know, avoid some of those oils and, uh, they, they took out the oils when cooking the veggies. I think maybe okay. they cook, I can't remember if they steamed the veggies or if they cooked them in butter, but they were like flexible with that small enough chain where they would, they would accommodate. Mm -hmm. They also have like a ribeye. They have a grilled chicken. Basically they have protein and then a side of veggies and you can kind of mix and match however you want you could also do if you are you're filling wings i've done wings here before you can do plain wings and put sauce on the side now the sourcing of the meat was not listed on the website and i did not ask so i don't know where they get their meat um, maybe i'll ask next time but th there are options at a place like this actually more options than like at a fast food restaurant you can mix and match a little more. You can ask questions, ask them to accommodate, and you can really get like back. Like when I said at the beginning, you can start to get towards food in its original form, which is, which is what we want. Like I said earlier too, I don't think eating at one of these places one time infrequently uh, is going to kill you. I think it's just important to like know how your body responds to certain foods. So, so that can help you pick your foods when you do dine out. Like for instance, if you're sensitive to dairy, probably best not to compromise on that one. So make that a priority and compromise on something else. Or if bread or gluten just wrecks you, maybe don't compromise on that one, you know, compromise on 
on something else uh, so that you can prioritize not eating something that that really upsets you. The goal really is how can I get food that most closely resembles its original form? You know, obviously in a lot of these situations, there's going to be additives and flavorings, but what we want to figure out is how can you choose the least bad option or even just less bad? So for instance, grilled chicken is going to be better than fried chicken. No cheese is going to be better than cheese. Um, some veggies on your plate is going to be better than no veggie. So it's all about finding a balance here. Again, we're going for better, uh, not, not perfect. Yeah. I, I hope this all didn't sound like too overwhelming or you feel like you can't ever eat out again. Like we both eat out. Um, it's totally possible. Just the purpose of this episode is to inform you when you eat out, like just how to optimize your decisions. Um, last thing I want to just touch on is kind of the best fast food chain or the best widely accessible fast food. Like what are your, what are the, when you're on the road, like what are the best options? Like there certainly are better and worse options out there. Our two favorites, and now I live in the Midwest, Andy's in the South, so not sure about the rest of the country or world, but two of our favorites are Core Life and Chipotle. So Core Life is essentially what Subway would be if they did it right. It's kind of like a, it's set up just like Subway, but instead of like uh, subs, it is bowls. So you either get a, a, a green bowl, a grain bowl, or a broth bowl. And they have tons of like basically every veggie and, and leafy green you can imagine. They have meat and it's all non-GMO. It's they, they try to source local as well. So they'll try to buy from farms nearby. Their beef is grass fed. So they have pretty high quality ingredients. It's all, nothing is processed. It's just real veggies, fruit and meat. So that's, I love that place. One of my favorites. It's a little bit more expensive than Chipotle, but they, they make really good food. And I think they are, I think they're throughout most of the United States. They're definitely in the Midwest. Yeah. They don't have it down in North Carolina. I, I would love for them to get, get one. Mm -hmm. I think they have okay. one. I know when I go out to Salt Lake city for work, they have a very similar, I don't know if it's, I think it is core life. Uh, it's very similar okay. to that. And I love it because there's just so many options and you can get, yeah, you never get tired of it. Yeah. There's so many varieties you can do. Yeah. All right. And then Chipotle, this is, this is all over the United States. I don't know if it's worldwide, maybe. Um, most people have heard of Chipotle and they are very transparent about their ingredients. They list literally every single ingredient that they use and what foods that they use it in. So like I think they have like a total of 52 ingredients. Like that's it for every single food. So you can go to their listing and hit like uh, salt, click on the salt and it shows every food that contains salt. So I, I looked through the list to see kind of what it was and it's primarily very clean. Um, they do use a few oils. I'd say that's the only exception. I, maybe they have some sugar I, in a few things, but the, the one that stood out to me were a few oils, like they use a rice bran, sunflower and canola, but they're in limited things. Like the canola is only used for their tortillas and chips. Like it's not, okay. everything is not cooked in oil. Um, so you can kind of look at that and decide for yourself, but yeah, overall core life and, um, Chipotle are our two favorites. I eat at Chipotle way too much. My, my guac mode just got activated today actually. So nice. I'll probably be going, um, free guac, getting that for dinner so nice yeah yeah and and you know you seem to find chipotle's more and more it is tough when you're in like rural areas like when i'm driving through 
West Virginia, when I'm driving from Charlotte, like to Indy, it's, it's hard to find a Chipotle. You kind of got to plan it out. Um, but kind of, that's where planning ahead a little bit helps out. But like we said, I think it's just finding a balance. It's, it's knowing yourself, knowing how you respond to foods. And then how can you find something that's somewhere in the middle? Going into it, you know, you know, it's not going to be perfect. You know, it's not gonna be great. It's not gonna be a healthy home cooked meal. But um, can you eat there without completely you know, ruining yourself for the next couple of days? Because um, I think if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna feel better than if you just completely, you know, abandon your, uh, your nutrition needs. So yeah, hope this is helpful for everyone. Uh, if you uh, yeah, if you have any have any questions or any comments on this on how you approach dining out we'd love to hear you can contact us on instagram or on our website i think that's it have a great week y'all